You're listening to Freedom Christian Fellowship's podcast. Um, today, we are um, starting a, a new series uh, focusing around Advent. And Advent is really just talking about the coming of Christ, the, the, the reason why Jesus came. And so today's focus on Advent is hope. And so we're going to be talking about the hope of Jesus Christ and exactly what that meant. And I'm going to be uh, pulling out a couple of scriptures uh, from the New Testament about the, the truth of the hope of Jesus' coming. And we're going to look at a song. There's two songs. There's actually three songs that were sung before Jesus was even born. We're going to talk about one of the songs that Zachariah, John the Baptist's dad, sang regarding Jesus. It's a very beautiful thing. It speaks to the hope of Jesus. We're going to look at John 1, where John's gospel is quite unique. It's different from Matthew, Mark, and Luke's, where it, um, it talks about the actual spiritual implication of Jesus coming to the earth um, in, in a way that's unique and beautiful, but it talks and it unfolds this beautiful hope. And then we're going to talk about what hope does for us, and then finally, how do we keep hope inside of us, especially in this season? We like to throw words around like hope and joy and peace around this time of the season. But the reality is it's not really that easy to stay in these places of hope or joy or peace unless we understand what the Word of God says. You know, one of my, uh, I think probably my hands down favorite memory as an adult, as a dad about uh, Christmas is this, is that... For the longest time, and I think we're finally getting to the end of it um, this Christmas. I hope this doesn't break my kids' hearts right now. But uh, Christmas Eve was always, always one, especially the after hours. Now, parents, stay with me. Track with me here. If you're a kid, you're about to get some inside information. Uh, but about the time, like, for us after 8 o'clock to typically midnight, 1, 2 in the morning, was probably the most stressful time of the year. And here's why. is because I I was inevitably building something. I was building something, a trampoline, countless trampolines. Now, if you've never put up a trampoline in the pitch black in your backyard, and you're not a guy who likes instructions, man, it is not a miserable time. There is no holiday cheer running through this guy's soul during that time. Basketball goals. I mean, come on, dollhouses aplenty, uh, bicycles. I mean, I can't tell you. I'm probably missing a couple of things. And, and I would be so frustrated. I would beg my wife, please, let's just stick a bow on the box. I'll do it tomorrow. Like, I don't want to do this right now. Can't we just draw a picture of what it looks like? You know what I'm saying? Hey. And she would be like, no, 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 because they're going to come out, out of their rooms in the morning, and they're going to be so so excited to see what's unwrapped and what's unfolded and built underneath the tree or outside. In this case, a trampoline. I didn't build it in the house. And so, inevitably, we would stay up and we would do this and it would be this painful time. But immediately, Christmas morning, way too early. And we always set a time. We're like, listen, kids, you cannot come out of your rooms until... 7 o'clock, 6 o'clock, whatever it was. It seemed like the younger they were, the earlier we had to set that time back. But we would say, don't come out of your rooms. And we would hear them squeal, start to squeal an hour before. And I'd just roll over, look at my wife, and I'd be like, Merry Christmas. And she'd be like, Merry Christmas. And then she would pop out of bed. 
And she'd be like, come on, let's get the camera. Let's get ready. And I'd be like, oh, oh my goodness, dragging out of bed, looking like a zombie. And, and inevitably, we would just call down and be like, kids, come on down. The camera would be on. Yeah, yeah. And they'd be like, oh, it's what I wanted. And all of that misery from the night before, all of the concern about how much it cost, all of the weight of everything I had to do in the cold in my backyard went away because of the hope of what my kids were looking forward to. Can I tell you something this morning? This is what the frame and the time and the scene was when Jesus came to earth. See, there's often a question that we have is say, why, why did Jesus come when he decided to come to earth? That's a great question. That's a great question. But let me tell you something that kind of eclipses that question. It's more along the lines of the nature of the heart of God toward man that was from the very beginning. And it was one of grace, and it was one of love, and it was one of redemption, and it was one of adoption. And it was always there. It was always there. See, the scene was like this, is that God created man in love. You and I were not created, Adam and Eve were not created in judgment. They were not created in fear. They were created in love for the purpose of relationship. One of the most powerful things the scripture tells us in the beginning of Genesis is that God walked with man hand in hand in the cool of the garden. That there wasn't a separation. Man did not struggle with feeling distant from God or that God didn't love him or that God judged him. But that relationship, which was original intent, was seen in clear view. But then, of course, what happened was man's decision to sin separated and diluted the understanding of relationship with God. It forever corrupted the pure perception of what God desired for man to understand and to know him as father, as lover, as creator. God couldn't stand this. He couldn't tolerate the, uh, the separation. He could not tolerate that communication was lost. And so in his love, he sent Jesus Christ. He intervened by sending himself in the nature of Jesus Christ to the earth. God came. What's the point? The point is this. You go, Pastor, we know this. We've heard this a hundred times. I've, I grew up. I know, I know the reality of this. Is that God's heart never changed. His heart never changed. His heart toward you never changed. It never stopped being a desire to be close to you as father. It never stopped being close to you as lover. It never stopped being close to you as friend. It never stopped. It was always grace. It was always mercy. It was always truth. And God could not tolerate that our decision to sin, to break His covenant, to break His law, would forever separate us from that knowledge. So He Himself came in the nature of Jesus Christ. Why do I say that? Why do I say He Himself came? Because Jesus is not a subordinate to God. Jesus is God. It's a mystery that we 
that we worship the triune God, the God in three, but they are not three unique in the sense of three different gods. They are one God represented in three different ways. And so we see that God himself came, that he came, that he couldn't separate himself from us. In the nature of Jesus Christ, he came. And when Jesus came, hope came. And that's what we're looking at today, the hope of Jesus Christ. Now, I want to read to you a couple of passages that we see the revelation of this hope. And this one that we're going to read in Luke 1 from Zechariah is a prophetic song. It's a beautiful prophetic song. It says this in, in, in Luke 1, 67 through 75. You can uh, get it on your phone or you can look at the screen or your Bible. And it says, his father, Zechariah, was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied. This is John the Baptist's father. This is when Elizabeth was pregnant with John the Baptist. He says this concerning Jesus. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, because he has come to his people and redeemed them. He has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. And he said this through his holy prophets of long ago. Salvation from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us to show mercy to our ancestors and to remember his holy covenant, the oath he swore to our father Abraham to rescue us from the hand of our enemies and to enable us to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all of our days. This is what Zechariah is saying and this is why this is so important because there's a couple of words that stick out to here concerning this hope that Zechariah prophesied. Now you have to remember this. You have to understand this, that for 400 years, there was a silence. There was just, an, a, just a, a silence on the earth where it felt like God was not moving, that he was not speaking, that there was nothing happening. But yet before that, in the prophets of old, and this is what Zechariah says, this is the truth of what the prophets like Isaiah and Zechariah, they prophesied about Jesus Christ. Even David in Psalms prophesied about Jesus Christ. Christ, this is the hope that is coming. Now imagine with me. Now come on, just, just get in the moment here and get excited about this, okay? Here we go with Zechariah, who, who God is speaking to and telling him, he actually shuts up his mouth because he's in a little bit of disbelief because his wife is pregnant with John, the cousin of Jesus, who is going to be the, the forerunner, the, the, the herald of the Messiah. Now, now get this, the Messiah, the one who had been prophesied, who had been hoped upon, who they had waited, and who had, they had not heard from for 400 years. Oh, come on. You got to get excited because when that day comes, all of a sudden, hope Comes. And this is what Zechariah says. He's going to redeem. He's going to bring salvation. He's going to come with mercy in his wings. Oh, and he's going to enable us. He's going to empower us with his grace, with his mercy, with his spirit to serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness. Wow. Wow. Here's Zechariah as he sings this song. He is prophesying the truth about Jesus Christ coming 
to the earth in the hope that Jesus brings. That hope's still alive today. This is still what Jesus does today, is that he comes and he redeems us, doesn't he? He redeems us out of the depths of the weight of our sinfulness. Now, when you think about redemption, redemption is not a one and done thing. It's not making and raising your hand or walking to the front one time to say, Jesus, I want you into my, invite you into my life as my Lord and Savior. The process of redemption is ongoing. Why? It's because God is continually bringing us out of areas of deadness in our life and redeeming us for his purpose. These are areas that we can't get unstuck from. These are things that we can't figure out on our own. But in mercy, Jesus does it for us. In mercy, Jesus heals us. In mercy, Jesus sets us free. In mercy, Jesus redeems us. This is the hope of Jesus Christ. He is our salvation. He is our salvation. Today, if you don't know Jesus, He is your salvation. He is the only way to get to heaven, to the Father, to know the love of the Father. That is why Jesus came. He is mercy And this is probably the most beautiful combination of truth about the hope of Jesus. Because here, as we hear Zechariah prophesying the truth of the hope of Jesus, we see him speak the words of mercy, but then also bring us to this truth that we're going to serve him without fear. And what you need to understand is this, is one of the greatest misconceptions that slipped into the the, the world, even before Jesus came, was that God was mad is that God was mad. He was mad at you. That you were forever falling short. And the truth is, we were forever falling short. There's no error in that statement. But the reality is, is this. Is that God understood it. And what mercy says is this. And if you go back and you study the word mercy, it will set you free because it's powerful. Because you need grace and mercy. Grace gets you to Jesus and mercy covers the weight of your sin. And this is what Jesus is saying. I am coming and being mercy to you. I am covering your inability so that you no longer have to live in fear of falling short. But you can serve me in righteousness and holiness. Not on your own merit. Not on your own ability. But on the truth of who I am. That's hope. That's hope. That's good. All right. It's in the word. All right. Let's scoot over to John 1. I'm going to stop. John 1, 12, 14, 12 through 14. I love this. I cut my teeth on this chapter. It says this. Yet to all who did receive him, to those who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Children born not of natural descent, nor human decision, or a husband's will, but born of God. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only Son who came from the Father full of grace and truth. Here we see in John's account something that's a little bit unique and and great, is that we see it differing from Matthew, Mark, Mark, and Luke, in the sense that John focuses on the coming of Jesus from this perspective of what it did to the spiritual to the heart of mankind. And there's just two things that I want to pull out here that I want you to see is that the scripture says that Jesus came in grace and truth. 
that he came in grace and truth. In the same way that Zechariah talks about mercy, John here talks about the hope of Jesus' coming from the perspective of grace and truth. Because grace brings us into a place of understanding that in our inability that God covered the distance. And this is the one, one of the, the greatest things when we sang Hark the Herald Angels Sing, there's, there's a couple of lyrics that I love in that, in that hymn. My kids were making fun of me this morning because I'm like, it came on the radio and I'm like, hey, shh, I want to hear this. And I was like in a worshipful moment. I think I even lifted my hands in the car and they're cracking up laughing at me. And I'm going, and I'm just listening to it. And he, he, in, the, in, the, in the Hark the Herald Angels Sing, he says this, he's come to free the sons of earth, come to give them second birth. He's come to free the sons of earth, come to give them second birth. And this is what this is saying, is that the greatest, one of the greatest understandings of the hope of Jesus' coming was this, is that no longer would death give a stranglehold over the heart of man because of the coming of Jesus Christ. And this is grace. This is grace, and this grace leads us into life. It leads us into a place of life, and where grace and truth come together is this, is that where grace covers the gap, truth leads us into life. So where grace comes and breaks the power, the fear of sin, the fear of death, what Jesus did came to give them second life, came to give them new life, came to raise the sons of man, what grace does in the coming of Jesus Christ, truth leads us continually in that life. Truth leads us continually in that life. And this is why Jesus came. As a matter of fact, when you go up further into John 1, you begin to understand this, that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with us, and the Word was God. The Word was light. The word became light to us that it shone on the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it, right? And so we begin to see this picture of grace and truth. And we hear from John the powerful implication of what hope is through Jesus Christ when it comes to grace and truth. This is what Jesus, the hope of Jesus brings. It brings redemption and freedom. It brings grace and truth, the understanding of life. It brings us into the spirit of adoption. That it brings us truly into the spirit of adoption. What a wonderful hope we have in Jesus to understand that we're not stranded, that we're not left, but He loves us as a Father, that He has come for us. It brings us into truth and identity. Now let me go on and, 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 and talk about what Hope brings to us really quick. This is what hope gives us. Now, I want to read from something that Jesus uh, spoke of prophetically in Luke 4 17 and 20. This is a familiar passage to some of you here. When Jesus is in the temple and he is being asked to read from a scroll. In verse 17, it says, And the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was handed to him. Unrolling it, he found the place where it was written, 
The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of the sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And then he rolled up the scroll and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, today the scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Here Jesus is given a scroll and he reads from what we know as Isaiah 61. And this is a messianic prophetic uh, scripture here that Isaiah wrote. It speaks of Jesus Christ and it speaks of what hope does inside of us. Because as we talk about hope in the coming of Jesus and the person of Jesus, we have to understand that hope came and it shifted and it set and it broke time. And it did something in the hearts of man, but hope continually does something inside of us. Jesus came and he was clear about what he came to do here. When he read from the scroll in Isaiah 61, he said, this is, my, this is what I have been anointed to do. This is why I came. This is why hope came and what I give. He said it very clear that he's come to mend that which is broken. And my question for you today is this, is your heart broken at all? Is there a place in your life that feels broken or out of joint? Something that doesn't fit right and that is troubling you, that is worrying your soul. The place in the seat of your peace in your heart. Jesus came to mend that which is broken. He came to heal the brokenhearted. He came to set those who are brokenhearted at peace. This is what hope is. This is what Jesus came. This is his anointing. He came to heal the sick. I know today, listen, this is a bold statement. I understand this. I know today that there's some here that are sick. There's some here that are looking at things that maybe they're fearful of in their body. But the scripture is clear and this is what hope is. Let me ask you a question. If, if you were there that day and, and, and happened to be around Jesus as he was reading this scroll and he read this. And he said this, and he talked about recovery of the sight to the blind, and he talked about this, this anointing that's on his life. And you were in a place where you needed that, and as Jesus finished, he got done and he said, today this is fulfilled in your hearing. Would your heart leap for joy? Would there be hope in your heart somewhere? Yes. Would you go to the man who said, I'm able to bring and heal the brokenhearted, to heal those who are sick or oppressed? Would you go to him? Yes, you would. Why? Because your heart would be set at hope at the truth of Jesus. This is hope. And so that hope did not go away when Jesus left the earth. That hope is still here today. He is still with us today. Salvation for the lost. Freedom for the captive. What a powerful truth. I want to say something again, another bold statement. But this is the hope of Jesus Christ and why he came. There's not an addiction, a bondage, a shackle that is greater than the name of Jesus. Now, listen, I don't, I don't want to pivot too much off of something that was already powerful. But, but I want to, this is really easy to prove. Because you guys all saw the video we showed just a second, a little while ago, right? 
You heard what the girl said at the very beginning, did you guys? You hear what happened? You hear that she was sexually, emotionally molested, right? You heard that. You know that that's something that the enemy originates, right? You know that's something that it comes from a demonic source. That doesn't come from God, does it? No. You know that that has the potential to destroy and damage somebody's life forever. But what happened? But what happened? Somebody stepped in with the love of Christ. And this is exactly what Jesus Christ is saying. See, the anointing of Jesus is greater than any shackle or addiction that you could ever face. Anything that has either been put on you or you stepped into or however it came, Jesus is greater. And the love of Jesus manifested in mercy, grace, and truth, the hope of Jesus can set you free. And this is what Jesus is saying. See, this is how it's carried. This is how it's done. And today, that reality is still the same as, as the day that Jesus said that. It's amazing. Justin, come on up, man. Let's talk about really quickly one last passage. And thank you for allowing me to read all this scripture to you this morning. I want to give you something you can take home and reread. How do we live in hope? In just a moment, we're going to give you an invitation to receive that hope. How do we continue to live in hope? In 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9, it says this. Praise be to the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that, that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. In all this you greatly rejoice. Though now for a little while you must have, you must have had to suffer grief of all kinds of trials. These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold. Which perishes even though refined by fire may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. Though you have not seen him, you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. For you are receiving the end result of your faith, the salvation of your souls. I know we just bit off a bunch of verses there, but I want to break this down for just a second and talk about how we live in our hope. See, because part... Part of the Advent is not just focusing on the truth that Jesus, the hope of the truth that Jesus came to earth, but it's also the hope of his second coming, the hope of his return. And this is something that, listen, I don't know if you're familiar with it or if you've heard about it or how often you've heard about it. Maybe you've heard about it and you haven't thought much about it. But this is something that throughout the New Testament, the early church, they kept their focus intently on. Is that they weren't just living for today. That they were living for something greater than today. That the actions and their choices and how they chose to understand life and see God. How they chose to live according to the Spirit. All of that 
was something that counted not just for this day, not just for the life they lived on earth, but for the, the life to come. And they looked earnestly toward that. And they understood this, and this is how we keep hope inside of us, is that we have to understand that there is a future in Jesus Christ. That there is a future hope and a day to come. And and I want to just push your hearts toward this a little bit, to understand that no matter how tough this world gets, no matter how tough life gets, and it does, doesn't it? I know it does. There are things that seem unfair. There are things that hit us that we don't understand And we might not. I know that's not what you want to hear from from me in the front. I understand that. But can I tell you how it makes sense? Is that it makes sense when you look past today. And even you look past this life. And you remember the truth of Jesus. That didn't just happen when he came to earth. But when he ascended to heaven and he said, I'm coming back. I'm going to prepare a place for you. You're never going to touch death again. If you put your faith in me, that there's a place where you're living for in eternity, and I prepared it, and there's a day to come where maybe some of the stuff that we see on here, we can't quite sort through, but there is a day to come that it's going to be okay. There's going to be peace. There's going to be joy. And part of having hope in our heart, I know this sounds tough, but part of having hope in our heart is to keep our eyes focused on heaven to keep our eyes focused on Jesus's return but there's not just hope for tomorrow there's hope for today see Jesus is able when we invite him to when we invite that hope to come and to fix the areas of our life as I already said that might be broken but we have to invite him in we have to invite his mercy his grace and his truth in In order to keep hope in our heart, we have to keep in step with faith and rejoice in the truth. This is something here that Peter commends the believers for. And I want you to please hear this. Because this is what he says to them. He says, listen, you are continuing to move forward in faith. You are rejoicing in the truth. Even though you don't see Him. Even though... Things are tough. Even though you're having to go through some hard times, you are proceeding and continuing to walk in your faith. And if you want to keep hope in your heart, you have to be a person that begins to live by faith. And the best way to begin to live by faith is to get into the Word of God. Why? Because as you learn the Word of God, you're going to understand the promises of God. As you know the promises of God, you're going to begin to take a step toward those promises. You're going to begin to see His faithfulness and His truth. The Holy Spirit is going to begin to teach you to walk by faith. And I want to speak even a little further into this for just a second and say this. That there's some people here that God has said things to you. He's promised things to you. And you haven't seen those things for a while. And you've kind of just put them on the back burner. Or you've said, look, those, maybe that was just pizza or just not what I didn't hear God. But I want to tell you something regarding the hope of Jesus. Is that don't let go of those things. Keep walking by faith. 
Keep walking by faith. Keep walking by faith. Anchor yourself in the word. There's times I have to tell myself, just like David did, when it comes to walking in faith and things start to kind of get hectic around me, I have to say this. My feet are planted on the rock of Jesus. My heart is anchored in the peace of Jesus. And my mind is attached to the truth of Jesus. Why? Because in that place, in that place, hope can begin to rise up in me. And then finally, Peter commends them because he said this. It's a beautiful statement. In verse 8, though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not see him, you still love him. And part of keeping hope in our hearts is this, is by fanning the flame of passion for Jesus. And I know that's not easy, and I know we get busy, and I know there's a lot of stuff going on. But in order to keep hope alive inside of us, we have to make time to cultivate a love relationship with Jesus. And maybe you've never experienced that today. And today the invitation is for you is to, to come and to step into a love relationship, to understand the love that Jesus has for you, to start there. But maybe you know it and it's gotten a little cold or, or it's just gotten hectic and forgotten. It's time to rekindle that. You might not know where to start, but you can ask the Holy Spirit and He will help you. The Holy Spirit will help you. Ask the Holy Spirit. He will help you. This morning as we close, I want to invite you into a place of hope. If there's something that's lacking in your life and you are missing peace or you're brokenhearted, or there's something that is weighing you down, Jesus Christ is hope. He is here. He is hope. Would you stand to your feet? Father, this morning I pray, Lord, for those here today that might feel the weightiness of life and the, the sting and the pain of circumstances on their life. God, I pray, Jesus, you came to be hope. And I pray today that in your mercy, in your grace, and in your truth, that Jesus, you make hope alive inside every one of us. Just right where you are this morning. Listen, if that's you, I just want you to have a moment between you and Jesus where you just say, Jesus, be hope inside of me. I invite your hope in my life. I invite your hope right now. No matter what the situation is, no matter how desperate it is, no matter how hard it is, no matter if you fell short, Maybe this morning you don't know Jesus. And today is a day where you need to invite Jesus in. The Bible says it's simple. If you'll confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you will be saved.
Confess that you need Jesus. Believe that He covered your sins at the cross. Receive Him as Lord and Savior. Jesus, this morning we just invite your hope. We invite your hope. We invite your hope. And Jesus, as your hope comes, let healing come. I just declare right now in the name of Jesus, healing over the brokenhearted. This morning, if you're brokenhearted, if there's something, maybe this season doesn't invoke the joy that you see or you want. Maybe there's separation in relationships and you're feeling brokenhearted. Today, let Jesus touch that area of your heart. Today, if you find yourself in an addiction or a bondage, today Jesus can set you free. Today, Jesus can set you free. If your body is broken, today Jesus can heal you. Jesus, be that. Be the mender. Be the freer. Be the healer. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. 